know you want, but don't get between me and the blood wine. Welcome aboard the USS Boda. This is your captain, not Patrick Stewart speaking. You're listening to Dork Trek. Dorktrek.com. Engage, Mr. Manning. Get it from the library to bring this conversation back full circle. And it's interesting, Dennis, that you should talk about uh, episodic television because that was a big theme in the documentary that we watched this weekend. Uh, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. What a segue from premium content to free content. That was stellar. I mean, I was a professional. Still are. You my still book. are professional. And I will say this. It's weird because I've almost done this podcast longer than I did commercial radio at this point. Because I got fired like nine years into my commercial radio run. We've been doing this for nine years too, so it's about equal. And Bob, yeah. uh, we're going to have a meeting afterwards. <laughs> oh, man, I'm getting can- – and that'd be cool, though, because it would really lighten my workload. <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about doing all this stuff anymore. But first, then- we're going we're gonna to start making this a morning show first. That's fine. That's we, just, fine. we just think if people would listen in the mornings, it, we'd get a bigger audience. Yeah, it happens. So we're going to have to start recording in the mornings. Laugh at my pain. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so we watched uh the documentary uh what we left behind i mean it was very enjoyable i was i don't even know how we're gonna review this really yeah um whose idea was this because it's pretty stupid to review a documentary about a show that we watched i think there's stuff to talk about i I will say it was surprisingly good for one thing like i'm not usually a documentary person especially to just like wrap up something like that but it was like they really i don't know they were just surprisingly good i loved hearing all the little anecdotes from the actors and if you like that you should read that 50 year star trek book jenny you would yeah, really dig it even if you do the, the audio book yeah it was super <laughs> fun um but the thing is like okay so there were some touching moments in it there were some mm-hmm. cool things in it um I left my choir. I enjoyed all the singing. There was a lot of singing. And Captain Cisco. The guy who plays Rom is really weird looking. <laughs> like he's a really odd looking bird. Yeah, he looks like he did in the Rocketeer. Yeah. Yeah. But you forget that he's in the Rocketeer. I, I did forget. Great movie. Like, when he was on screen, I was like, oh, that's Rom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like he doesn't even need makeup. Why did you put yeah. him in makeup? Why did you put him in makeup for the documentary? That's weird. Um, the guy who played Damar had a lot um, of chest hair. Well, yeah, but he, he has like, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but there was that whole Rat Pack vibe yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. And he had, but at the same time he had, what, what was the, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's husband? Um, which one, which one, um, Peter Lawford was the it other Pete? one, Joey Bishop, the other one, Rich, was there a Richard? Richard Burton Marks. So Demar has this whole Richard Burton. Who's a good who's a good follow on Twitter, by the way. Do yourself a favor and follow Richard Marks on Twitter. Married to Daisy Fuentes. You know, what? I don't know who she is. Yeah, I've heard I've heard Richard Marks on some podcasts before, and I think he like he has this you know image obviously from his music of being kind of a pussy. But, <laughs> and so I think he tries to over kind of a what Dennis? <laughs> Just, <laughs> kind of a what? Kind of a pussy. <laughs> But he's a good follow on Twitter. I'm sure. Yeah. We, but I mean, we don't you know, like, like him. he's very people liberal. who have that, you know, based on their their 
you know, whatever public persona. Done. Yeah, their public image. They like try to break against it mm-hmm. too hard, like intentionally try to. He's like tries to be dirty and stuff like that. It's like all right, dude, like Bob on. Saget. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Bob Saget tries entirely too hard to be dirty. Like I understand that you were a comedian and you did kind of work blue, if you will. You got famous doing Full House. That's cool. You don't have to go the extra mile. Yeah. Or Although five. it was great in Half Baked. Yes, it was. But that was a really long time ago. Yeah. That was skinny Dave Chappelle. So, wow. Yeah. But anywho, so what were you saying, Ben? Richard Marks. Richard Not Burton. Richard Burton. No, he just, he just has that 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 Richard Burton era look. That that's there's no no need to come back to. A he had a cool he had cool chest hair. Like do yourself and just he had like a little tuff of gray well, hair kind of. I think out. they all did. A neat. lot of those guys went for the the open shirt look. I did not appreciate Gold Ducat's giant white sneakers. Like it looked like he just got done cutting the grass, and he was like, "I got to go do this appearance at a con. I'll be back in a little while, guys. Do you got to change your shoes, Ducat?" Um, good. Nobody will see that. I get the feeling they didn't give him much notice. Yeah. You know? Well, some of it like looked it like was, it, it was kind of interesting that some of these people you were like, uh, I think they are just like, well, we got to invite this person, you know? And some of it looked like it was filmed at the Star Trek conventions because that would make a lot of sense to do it yeah. there because they're all together. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander um, Sadig mentions it that, okay, we're in Las Vegas and downstairs, you know, there's thousands of people. You want to see Dr. Julian Bashir. He looks great. Mm. He looks great. I was really, I mean, but no Cisco. Like there was no newer footage of Avery Brooks. And I was wondering why. He was, I mean. He's in it. He's in it very sparingly, bit. but he, there was no like group dynamics with him. Like when they had the whole yeah. group together, he was missing. Which um, I guess I can get because, you know, that one, um, the lady who was the assistant director who was talking about like kind of the confrontation she had on set with mm-hmm. Cisco, like maybe he was, you know, he was an actor a lot of the time. Capital and so, A. Yes. Like it makes it hard to get close to him. Yeah. Ex- unless you're Jake, you know, um, well, but that was the kind of weird done. part is like, well, why wasn't he there with Sirach Lofton when they were talking, you know, that would have been, yeah. if they had this really close relationship, that would have been cool to see that playing well, out in real life. I, I think part of it, is is kind of like in Starfleet itself, um, but this kind of carries over to real life that the captains kind of get set apart. I mean, you know, Shatner kind of wasn't part of the group. That's and he's a bonus ego. But well, yeah, but at the same time, even Patrick Stewart to some degree, when they do these appearances, he's not out on the tables with you know Jonathan and 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 Brent. And that's because he's a big fucking star though, too. Yeah, he is a lot bigger star than anybody. Well, yeah, but I, th- I think though that's just the the aura though that they give off with you know the captains though because they they've all stayed kind of separated, but it's kind of a private club that they're in. I want to see certain responsibility. I want to see Kate Mulgrew doing that. Yeah, I was about to say, I think she seems like she's a little bit more... Like Scott Bakula, you know, he's pretty pretty popular, so he would have to kind of... Well, Scott Bakula's been on TV forever. Like, yeah, he, exactly. you, you could even say, like, he may be the Ted Danson of, like, sci-fi hour-long dramas. Like, he's done Quantum Leap and Enterprise. He's due, he's due to come back. Yeah, and CSI. Like, yeah, he's everywhere. Or yeah, NCIS or whatever. He's everywhere. And he was really good in that football movie. That Necessary Roughness movie was pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Do yourself a favor if you're bored one day. 
Sinbad was in it. Kathy Ireland. There was like a big yeah. fat Samoan dude. Like it was pretty enjoyable. I remember being a kid really enjoying that movie. If you want me to tell you the premise, I will. <laughs> I guess it involves football. Yeah, that's it. It's just football. <laughs> so, so did anybody notice in, in this documentary when they broke the story? Like they're doing the catch up and they're yes. introducing the characters as they went through, you know, where each character was 20 years later mm -hmm. or whatever. And they show the O'Briens and he's like head of like Dean of mechanical engineering or some shit, you know, whatever. And then when they get to Esri and she's, uh, you know, captain of a starship, which I don't understand why a counselor would become captain of a starship. I mean, they, you know, they take the command track at some point. But then the writer guy says, yeah, and you know, it's like, oh, yeah, and uh, she's, she's married to uh, Julian. And they say, yeah, it's, it'd be nice for at least the, there to be at least one happy couple who've made it. <laughs> Not and the O'Briens. Like, didn't you just introduce the O'Briens? Exactly. And I'm like, what the f I think that would be the most interesting thing on the episode to the, in the documentary to talk about is the story that they were going to do 20 years later. The first episode of season eight. I got to tell you, I wasn't necessarily into it. Really? It was, it was sometimes kind of hard to follow because they were breaking it up so much, like hmm. throughout the documentary with the, the interviews and other things in between. Because if you go back and you watch that part of it, Deep Space Nine is now a, like a religious shrine. Kind of, yeah. So is it's like a tourist attraction, I guess, for people to come, but Quark still has his bar there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But then there's still Can also a gift shop. There's okay. So, he, so Quark is essentially running the gift shop of this yes. place, like kind of like a cafe, like at a museum. Where he's got a little whatever they need wine for the sacraments, you know, he provides it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's doing this. So he's still running his bar on deep space nine. Um, then there still you is a federation presence there. there. Yes, yeah. but they're as like they said in people. as they said in the in the breakdown of it, it's very kind of low priority at this point. So does that I can't see the Federation giving up this strategic base in front of the wormhole, considering I mean the United States not their base though. Well, I mean, technically this it is, is. This is like no, because this is like a, a US military base in a foreign country now. Yeah. Like we have a SOFA agreement which, you know, status of forces agreement that basically says you're allowed to stay in this country and it, it has an expiration date and it gets usually renewed whenever that expires or whatever. But when it's up, like in Korea or, or England or mm -hmm. Germany or Turkey or wherever we have a base, they can say, all right, it's been nice knowing you. We don't want you or need you here anymore. Well, see, second, to piggyback on what Dennis just said, though, I think another variation on that. Think about when the Federation moved on to the station. They could have got one of those sweet deals that doesn't require a perpetual renewal of SOFA. And so the Federation presence on Deep Space Nine could be more like Gitmo. Yeah, that's that's exactly the example. I was have that use. foothold. But then that would be like an occupation, which I think would be a, <laughs> a bad move. No, but, right I was gonna, but I was going to use – that's interesting because I was going to use Guantanamo Bay as an example as well. Like we're still in fucking Cuba. 
And that was we, seven not years mutual, ago. That's not a mutual agreement. You know, but I mean, Cuba. it's very rare for a lot of those bases to close and knowing the strategic importance because you never know. It happens. They closed the Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. I mean, but you never know what's going to come through that wormhole. So you think that would be a prime base for the Federation or if the Bajoran said, leave, you can't be here. They would build something around. So there would be like a deep space 10 almost like, yeah, I mean, they don't own the whole star system. So Uh, I thought the Bajorans did that's Bajoran space. Yeah. But I mean, where do you draw the line? Like the gravitational pull of the star. What if there's more than one inhabited planet in a star? Like how do you decide what, uh, who owns? Weren't there episodes about intergalactic waters basically? It's a good point. Where are the space intergalactic space waters? Because the space station was around Bajor originally, and they moved yeah. it by the wormhole for yeah. strategic purposes. Yeah, but so that's my is point. It out of Bajoran space space. It's out of space space. So I don't know, <clears throat> but I think there would be some kind of Federation presence in the in the quadrant because of the wormhole being a vital. Sounds like they were in the Gamma Quadrant. Like they had bases in the Gamma Quadrant. They were regularly going through the wormhole, you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe they don't have to keep a presence on this side of it because they have somebody on the other side watching the gate. Okay. Not like the you Cardassians know? around making trouble anymore or, you know, the Romulans and the Klingons. The minions not now. fucking with them anymore. <clears throat> but that's, I, so then, so then that's, that's how they had that set up. And Nerese is a Vedic at this point. Like she's yeah. the, the big religious leader who lives on Deep Space Nine, who's kind of still the, I don't know what title to give her on the space station. Like, and I don't really understand what it is at this point. I thought that was a little gray. Like the idea of what the space station, is it a military installation? Is it, is it a religious experience at this point? Like, is it a pilgrimage point? Like, what is it? Is it like the Holy Land experience in Orlando? Where, where people go and you, you kind of cheap out on the whole Disney thing, but you, you go to like the Jesus theme park. Is that like for the Flanders family? Yeah. The Flanders. Because is- we drove by there when we were in Orlando, but it was just like, and I was like 30% tempted to check it out. I, I you know, it was just like, uh, just, just I just want to see how crazy it I was. don't believe any of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, well, you I can meet Jesus while you're there. That's cool. He's a really you know, cool actor. So they were revering uh, Cisco and everything, but yeah. that got me wondering: like, does is it common knowledge what happened in the fire caves? Like, because there were no witnesses to that. Clearly, you know, it's Cisco just her back and it's just what a, she said. I mean, they they said that Cisco had never reappeared since he disappeared. All anybody ever knew was that he disappeared. Yeah, they didn't know where he went. They didn't know he went to the fire caves or anything like that. They well, they did, I Cassidy think they, they did know that point because Cassidy said that that's where he was going. At Did the end of the episode, going to the fire caves. I think so. Yeah, I, I might have to go back and watch, but I think yes. I thought he just said, "Oh, I, I need to go. I need to go to Prophets." Mm. I don't know. Then whatever. whatever, you know. So, but all they would basically know is, okay, Cisco's disappeared, and he knocked I, some chick up and disappeared. I for disappeared years. too. Like the guy started reading this, you know, Necronomicon book, and she disappeared. Because I'm guessing she didn't tell everybody she was going to the fire caves when she left. No. So I'm wondering if, if there's like a uh, weekly Bajoran news or a uh, Bajoran inquirer. BNN. That, 
you know, and they're like, hey, you know, isn't it weird how uh, Kai Wen and the emissary disappeared at the same time? Meet the Ooh. secret love child of the emissary. Ooh. I mean, Shack it's up. like all the conspiracy theories. Coming about- up next on the One Bajor News Network. <laughs> <laughs> but I was into, like, I like the idea of Molly being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of the, the new Cisco kid being involved. I thought that was cool. I like how they surprise you with that, though. Yeah, I thought that was neat, too. Like he's the the best science officer on the station and blah blah blah. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's Joe Cisco. But I can't like that was another thing for me though is I couldn't see Jake not having a good relationship with yes. him because mm. that was that's Cassidy's kid. And, yeah, and Cassidy, I imagine, like kept up some relationship with Jake after you know Captain Cisco disappeared. They seem yeah. to be on very friendly terms. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassidy like what, at what point Jake. was uh, were they like okay so whose quarters are these exactly like Jake <laughs> Jake is like you know I live here she's like well I'm married to him and it's like uh, right so Wait, didn't Jake move out didn't you have your yeah, little Jake place moved out with, at some point with, with Nog yeah he had a place I think Nog. those are your quarters and these big ones are mine no 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 he left is that what happened that's what they did it was the will and testament of he said no 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 Francisco. I'm the captain now Look at this. Well, no, I think what happens then is, you know, Colonel Kira comes down and is like, these are actually the commander's quarters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea, yeah, that's true too. And the idea that like Jay, uh, pers- this is just me speaking here, mm-hmm. but I could see Jake with the relationship that he had with his father, knowing his father disappeared on Bajor. Jake lives on Bajor and Jake is spending his time like actively looking for his father, trying to find out what happened to oh, him. Wow, yeah. Hmm. you know i mean i don't I don't think 20 years because they're doing it 20 years like i guess the distance from the show ending to right now yeah but at yeah. some point jake spent a large amount of time on bajor looking into the religion talking to different vedics trying to find out what happened to his dad i don't think so I not mean, at I, all i i think to some degree and, and let's take into context the visitor and how connected he was so there would be some some seeking, some searching. But I think with Cassidy telling him that he's gone with the prophets, with what Jake already knows about the prophets and the connection to the prophets, he might learn more about like the legends or whatever to some degree. But I don't think he's going to go full-on visitor mode again. But I mean, I, mean, I wasn't think- Jake possessed by the prophets or was he possessed by the high? He was, he was possessed by the 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 other paw ray guy who got cool powers like like mr freeze right because they had like a fire water pokemon battle right there on the station but when they had the battle, who was the other person who got possessed kira. your boy wasn't it kira kira i thought right yeah, yeah. kira and, and jake yeah for some reason i thought kira got possessed by the paw ray. i have to go back i thought it was jake that got possessed and they had the pokemon battle did we even watch this show? I don't think so. But <laughs> and again, again. To, to kind of play into my thing that he would Jake would spend time looking for his father on Bajor. He's also a reporter. Yes. So you can yeah. kind of play on that too, where like he's gained some form of notoriety back on Earth. Because I mean, Jake's. I mean, I, Cisco is a war hero at this point. He mm-hmm. he's a decorated hero of the Federation. Yeah. And he just disappears. Yeah. So like well, see, 
while Jake is looking for his father, he also kind of gains some kind of notoriety that I think he would feel guilty about because like he's managed to become famous looking for his dad as like, as, as almost like a happy accident, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what the, what they said while they were breaking the story though, when they, when they introduced Jake and how he's a novelist now and that, you know, they're like, yeah, he basically wrote DS9. Yeah. That, that's, he, you know, basically what we watched as DS9 are the novels that he wrote after mm-hmm. he, you know, after he was an adult or whatever. So he's basically uh, Benny Russell. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of made that inference, didn't they? Yeah. So. Because if been- I see, I could see him as a writer, but as like a true crime writer almost, where he's like, that's what he's doing now in his time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he has a true crime podcast that white people really like, you know? Yes. He tells the serial version of the, what happened on DS9. I think he did really well with that one that he did called Shit Station. (laughs) Um, It it was a little disparaging to the Bajorans, but overall, you know, it had really good uh, listenership. But I like the idea. Like, I think a lot of the other people, I was cool with their kind of path. Mm -hmm. I thought Jake was the one where I was like, eh. You know, yeah, and I think Jake would have a role in the kid's life just because that's the experience that he had. He lost a parent very young. This this kid never even knew his dad, so he would be the only connection to his father. Well, did they say how long they'd been apart? It wasn't like he just dipped before the kid, like, "Hey, Casty, good luck with that kid of yours," and then dipped. He he. I could see him like taking the responsibility and helping raise the child. You know. To a certain point. Yeah, but then after Joe joined like Starfleet. Like Oedipus thing? And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He might dad's You're a little gone. old for me, Cassidy, but you know. Well, Jake likes older women. We established that much. True. Yeah. Stepping Eskimo bros. But so. I mean, he's like, he's like 18 years older than his little brother. Yeah. So. How close are they going to be? Right. And like by the time that he's, you know he's going off to become a novelist and doing all these things. Like he's not going to become that close to him, you know, but I can't see, I can't just based on the shared experiences. I feel that Jake would have a connection to the, this is my, this is my dad's son. I lost a parent young. He's never known my dad. This is my opportunity to kind of teach about the man that Cisco was Maybe his uh, brother blames him for not his dad not being around, you know? Maybe. Or there's, there's some jealousy because you got to grow up with him, and he was gone before I even showed up. That'd be cool, too. I don't want to play baseball. A little tension, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. To me, it just seems like Jake's not that kind of dude. Well, maybe we explore, get to explore this more during season eight. Yeah. Because this was just the, the premiere episode of the season. Yeah. And then, like, the whole idea of Norris being in bed with the – and, like, the Bajorans being in league with the the uh, Jem Hadar. They That's, convert the Jim Hadar? That seemed like a big stretch. Well, here's the thing, though. The Jim Hadar need a god. But, the, I mean, the founders are still around. Yeah, the founders are still around. Well, they maybe – Follow the all. founders. Well, maybe it's the Alpha Quadrant Jim Hadar. 
they feel like the abandoned children of uh, the Dominion now. Now that the Dominion has gone back to the uh, the the Gamma Quadrant. I don't know. I felt that when they got all that missionaries. Yeah, wait a yeah, they got they need that white baby. They got got to have that white jack. Come on, man, give me some of that white. I thought that was I thought the Bajoran thing leading the the new gods of the Jem'Hadar was a big stretch. It's because like it doesn't play into unless they're paw race and they're gonna try to take them that way. But then I feel like you're kind of rehashing things that we've already seen almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And where where are the Cardassians in all this? Well, you know, Garrick does show up. They're still you know? trying to make Cardassian well, babies. I thought that was the coolest part of it, where they were like, when Garrick shows up and he's like, this is not what you think it is. Like, I like that angle of it because it's very much to Garrick's character. And the person that he trusts with that information was Worf. And because the two of them can't honorable. stand each other. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. But there was just some of it that I was like, I don't know, man. I just kind of see, I see holes in this. See, I like the the behind the scenes stuff though. When they were talking, you know, doing the bit or whatever, and Andy Robinson calls uh, Ira Bear. Yeah, he's like, I can't believe you were gonna kill Nog. You can't kill Nog. If you which kill was, anybody, it should which, be Worf. Which made me sad because Nog is really dead. Yeah, and here's the thing. So the th- it kind the part that kind of and it was odd that it moved me the way it did. One of the things that they were doing for the behind the scenes stuff, especially at the beginning of, of the documentary, is the actors were reading some of the hate mail that I wrote. I mean, that people wrote <laughs> back in the nineties, And uh, some of the stupid, and, and looking back, I could hear myself in a lot of those, those letters. You still say shit like that. Yeah, but not about DS9. And it's just, and, that, so and that's look the- look back in 20 years and be like, oh, you know what, that JJ Trek, that's- that, right. that ain't happening. That ain't it's already been 10 years it's already been yeah, 10 and by came out. 10 years after ds9 started i had converted should have already started kicking in by now and it ain't so <laughs> it ain't even close well if i think anything, you, all, I you also had more. you had the tv show to kind of fall back on to kind of push you like the movie wasn't that bad like there's no other like jj abrams trek to kind of like well if we got this out of that so that's cool but i guess you can say we got the cbs expanded universe out of jj trek but i guess no because you could also say that cbs going to uh a streaming service needed content so they just started pumping out star trek yeah but why star trek there hadn't been star trek in like how long well that's why you go to star trek because the nostalgia factor kicks in because there hasn't been star trek in how long that that there was movies and it like huh? revitalized the fan hot. base. In I, some think streaming, way or another. I think streaming did more for that than anything. I think yeah. uh, Dork Trek has promoted um, Star Trek on Netflix for, for nine years. For nine years. And it made it, you know, it's like, wow, why are people rewatching this so and hard? And it's weird too that, I mean, we ne- we've never, I guess we kind of s- spoke about this. But we started doing the podcast right when it hit Netflix. It was yeah. like a weird kind of zeitgeist thing where it actually we, wasn't even kind of on there, right? No, because we were like dropboxing episodes and trying to figure out how we were going to figure all that shit out. Like, how are we going to get everybody to watch it? Like, I have them all on DVD. I guess I can just dropbox them and blah, blah, blah. But then like a couple weeks in, it hit Netflix. So, I mean, like. How about that? It's kind of, I mean, I think Netflix, and they even mentioned this in the documentary, streaming was the best thing that happened to Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. Because you could sit mm-hmm. down and watch it like that hot tattoo girl said that she did in like a week. 
What? But what? What? She did. That was so random. Like, right. she just appeared out of nowhere. I was like, oh my God, who is was this Was she person? like one of the, the Indiegogo Fans. backers or something? Is that who all these people were? I, I think maybe. Like if you I mean, paid $500, you get to be in it. Well, the yeah. ones with the backgrounds were, yeah. I think, interviews at a convention. Yeah. yeah. Hey, would you like to talk about this? Or, hey, we're raising, maybe those were like, you know, on the spot where it's like, hey, we're raising money for this. I bet Brent Spiner got that girl on TV. He was like, hey, mm -hmm. what's up? You want to talk about Deep Space? You weren't in Deep Space Nine. Shut up. <laughs> I, I was on an episode with Bashir. I'll show you Deep Space Nine in your throat. <laughs> but when, when they were Deep Space Three, three times. <laughs> well, they, it's like, who is this porn star appearing out of nowhere? <laughs> Which is when they bad, read the letters, know, though, judgment for me to make. She was pretty still. cute, though. I mean, I gotta give it. She was. I mean, yeah, but it was like so weird. Like it, it was. Just, she just popped in there. But there like, was that happened with a bunch of different people, yeah. though. Like the one guy with the little mustache down here and the big goatee down here. That was an odd facial hair choice. But I don't want to yeah. spend this podcast making light of the people who appeared in the documentary because they're clearly fans. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. I don't and I think fans. Light I just wanted to appreciate her titties. <laughs> They were nice. <laughs> At least Jenny said it. We could just just move on, Dennis. Just move on. I mean, but, she had nice ink. I mean, yeah. Yeah, she had, she was cute. But I also um, thought the little girl who was talking about Deep Space Nine, who was like, my oh favorite my episodes were the last ten. It's like that kid rules. Yeah, yes. I think that kid was a little prompted. Though. Like a fed line. Yeah. Come on, dude. A little trained. She was like looking off camera and like. I don't know. Why are you being I, Why are you being that way? She had big teeth. Oh, she, Ben. Is her last Jesus, name Bear? Ben. Ben, you're the worst. Just, on Hanukkah, you know, too, nonetheless. Here, here's the thing: the oil's going to dry up tonight. Kids Jack. passes, and it's just like, no, you, you, people's kids are ugly. Just admit, you, you think your own kids are cute because you have to. But most people's kids. The kid are wasn't ugly. no, Ben. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna subscribe to this, Ben. You're, you're, you're no. Okay. You're the cute so here, so going from rails. that hate. When they're reading these hate mails, right? That's what happened. Ben sort of thinking about these hate mails that he used to send, and it got him all fired up. Got me back That's into some the Cardassian shit to say. But each of the actors were like, "Wow, you know, you know, you don't become an actor to be hated, and blah blah blah, and all this stuff." Well, when Aaron, and this is the one that that's really kind of hit me, but when Aaron read that, he didn't take it as like an attack on him or the show. He immediately. Ben froze. What did you say? You froze. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he, he froze. I froze then. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he 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 turned it around and he was like, God, that must have been hard for you writers to have seen yeah. because you know this is your work that they're attacking, and he he it looked like he was genuinely concerned about you know the people who made the show. He's like, Yeah, we're actors, whatever. But you know that that must have been hurtful. And so he was like, kind of getting defensive for the writers. And I replied, you know, I was like, oh, no, if you get hate mail, that means you're doing something right, right blah, blah, blah. Which, that's the you know, part I, that got me because I was like, I want somebody to hate my podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is when I was doing comic, the first time I got a hate email about the, the comic, you know, back in the day, it was just like, fuck yeah. What Iron Stephen Barrett did say, though, is like you, you either bond people or have people hate you. Yeah. And that's how you know that you're doing something right. And so yeah. I think we, we bonded people across the internet. I just, I just thought it was very telling about Aaron Eisenberg's character, though, the way he responded to that. Yeah, that was a nice thing to say. Although just, I will say that whole part, like, the, I would say the first 15 minutes of this documentary, I did not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> like, coming in with Rom singing was not, didn't do it for me. Huh? The, uh, 
like when they were showing the pictures of the women cast members and playing bitch by uh what's her name I didn't like that. Or whatever I was like well, that is so like I understand okay it was a 90s show that was a big song in the 90s and everything but that's mm-hmm. such a cliche thing to do I think and then th- them like they just seemed really bitter in that part when they were talking about how they weren't appreciated back in the day and, and I was just like I don't know if this is really the best look for this you know group of people beyond here saying you guys just didn't get it blah 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 but i mean there are still people to this day that hate that show for the same reason yeah well i'm just saying this documentary is supposed to be looking back on the time or whatever and they just seem like there. but i think but in order to look back at the time you have to look back at the fan reaction to the show so i think so i think it kind of makes sense like i mean acknowledging the hate is one thing but then feeling like I, I just thought they, they came across as really bitter. Like they felt like they could have been huge stars if everybody would have gotten it back then, you know? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I kind of side with them on this because, I mean, Bob and I, I got agree. this firsthand. That, yeah. you know, when Angry Kill Guy, he was one of yeah. the big proponents was, yeah, DS9 is when it, it really started going downhill. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Because that's when it got dark and gritty and, and forgot about Gene's and, vision. And these guys have probably been hearing that shit at conventions for 20 years. And like, yeah. we're not even associated. Sure it didn't break their heart when they were cashing those appearance fee checks. Ooh! <laughs> ching, ching, I ching, ching! I don't know. You know? And it's got to be kind of annoying, too, where people are like, people Fair like, but I will say, after that, after that part, it was phenomenal. I people like Voyager. Like, think about that. You're on Deep Space Nine. And you're like, wow, people like Voyager more and than they us. hate us. Yeah, that's gonna be a terrible feeling as a human being. Well, Voyager went somewhere. Yeah, you know. I think I started making peace with it when I, I finally had the breakthrough with the Gunsmoke a- analogy. Because I used to love watching Gunsmoke when I was a kid, and. Uh, they didn't go, you know, they would occasionally go out of whatever, but mainly it was people came to Dodge. The Ponderosa? No, to, to Dodge. Ponderosa thought, was on. The, yeah. no. All right. Sorry. Cartwrights. Cartwright. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, so I just, no, I think you have to address the hate because it was something that was there. You have to address the fact that it was such a difference i think on some level and something i absolutely heard you know in my in my area especially you know with in alabama was just the the freak out of a black captain um and i think that something that doesn't get addressed you know that people weren't ready for for you know captain you know avery brooks over there you know it's yeah. a man called hawk and you see, and they address it somewhat in the show when they're talking about the fact that, you know, him having a shaved head and a goatee yeah. was at the, the... I like the uh, seeing the studio head get squirmished, like trying to come up with the right, like politically correct way to say, well, you know, what he really wanted to say is we can't have a guy out there looking like a black guy. Not, not a <laughs> real I, black guy. And I love the idea that like they cast Avery books, but had no idea what he looked like. Like he hadn't been on TV for like 30 years. Yeah. We had no idea what this guy who this guy was. We just like what really? Didn't you watch Spencer for Hire yeah, he last was on week? ABC? Like, what are you talking about? My grandmother knew who he was. I mean, <laughs> come on. 
we just saw a tape and I, how the hell did they even cast him then that's that part i might have been not paying attention properly but, but they like, talked about him coming in for his audition mm-hmm. at some point and how he just blew them away and they're like oh no this is he has to be a captain like they basically commander. changed the tone of what yeah. they were doing with the character to fit him yeah. And that he must have fucking killed that audition. You look at him; he's amazing. Yeah, he's yeah, fucking yeah. Brooks. Yeah, he's an actor with. An I, I, I love though his direction to Demar when he's stumbling yeah. through the scene. He's just like, "Glide, baby, glide." <laughs> he's probably stoned out of his ass. That's why. But then I also love the way too, like they talked about Nerese's character and how she worked out, and mm-hmm. I loved the way they talked about uh, Jadzia and how like she was terrible. Like they just straight up say like she didn't, she had no idea what to well, do. No, Renee, yeah. that was the thing. She's like, <laughs> she can't act. She's, she's young, she can't act and she doesn't know anything. But, but then, then but she picked it up. <laughs> she grew, she had like, person, like personal growth, not character growth, but just personal growth. She probably had the, the greatest leap and what did they call it? it was like graduate school for yeah. her you know it was <laughs> one thing level. i really did appreciate too is how they said they basically got the um odo and kira relationship from their chemistry like on set mm-hmm. which it didn't it somehow didn't translate for me i guess as well as it did you know for them mm-hmm. how's that gotta make uh, alexander sadig feel like because they were married at the time and they're like you know what you know who's got the best chemistry on set <laughs> right <laughs> those two but it like i guess it made me feel better about them kind of like pushing that relationship if they felt like it was so strong on set that they were mm-hmm. like you know what let's make this canon you mm-hmm. know it it kind of made me feel a little bit more at peace with like one of the the plots that i didn't care for in this series yeah, you know that's fun. Now, okay, I, th- I, think I get it. Nana Visitor, um, out of the whole cast, I in, I just I felt like she was so natural on camera, like when she's talking or when she's, oh, she's telling. Great. I'm just like, oh my god, I want like more. Yeah. You know what other shows besides Matlock reruns can I find her on? Yeah. And I don't even know if there's a lot out there, which is kind of a bummer because like- I saw on Castle was the she, last thing I saw her on. She comes across so likable in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, just in general, like I thought she's, I've said it once before and I'll say she's one of my favorite characters on Deep Space Nine. Like I just, I love her to no end. And they really kind of go into, could the idea of the terrorist character work in- post 9-11 climate i thought that was the most one of the most interesting parts of the yeah. the documentary mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that they could do it the same as they did back then i don't think they would i think they could i mean obviously you watch it now and it kind of it works really well yeah mm-hmm. i think it helps you see the uh the grayness of it because back probably back in the 90s people wanted to side with her even though some of the things she did was despicable. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just kind of like, no, she's one of the good guys. She's working with Starfleet, you know, and so they would come up with excuses. But now you got to kind of, you know, gray that out with mm-hmm. how we see, you know, we've seen terrorism in the last 20 years. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on how soon after 9 11 would that be acceptable. Like 9 12 probably would have been a bad call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nine twelve, you're going into the Paramount Studios, going, "Hey, I've got this great idea for a series." <laughs> oh, no, I don't think. 
But I mean, even some of the even some of the clips they were showing of her, like when she's talking to the guy whose face got all blown yeah. up, she's like, "Do you think I give a fuck about you?" You have fifteen like, million Bajorans yeah. in the You're occupation. Like, Do you think I? Yeah, yeah, it was hardcore. But then it makes you kind of yearn for that Narice that we got a little bit of at the end because I felt like for a while, and she even mentioned it when they brought Worf on. And I thought that was another interesting part about the documentary when the, when the cast talked about Worf, how like she did kind of get kind of subjugated to some extent to like Odo's girlfriend slash like, I'm just here, you know? Yeah. Bring bring uh, the captain and his new yeah. best friend coffee. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because I liked the, the Narice Cisco dynamic more than the Worf Cisco dynamic, even though I love Worf and I think Worf's a great character. And mm-hmm. I think he was a great addition to the show. I did think that on top of the Narice Odo thing kind of neutered her to some extent. Although when they had that, that arc there where the Cardassians or the Dominion took over Deep Space Nine and she was kind of there, you know, on her own, they they kind of gave her that space to say, okay, now you're not number two to Cisco and you're not competing with Worf mm-hmm. or like, you know, in the hierarchy or whatever. Now you're kind of there on your own and she was able to start up the uh the resistance there. After you know, some there. stops and starts though. But that but you need that though. You know I thought that made it better. She's like, what am I doing? I need yeah. to resist. I need to start killing the people. Yeah, Get I don't know. My roots. Get back to my roots. Well, no, yeah, because there was that whole thing where she, the you just kind of fall in the, you know, get along to get along, and you know, and she was just kind of going with the flow there, probably thinking, oh, the Federation will be here any day and they'll save us, and she's like, no, wait, what am I waiting for? I can save us. We already did this once. I got a count. Hold on, I'd be killing all kinds of motherfuckers. I will say uh, one thing I found really interesting was the whole Terry Farrell thing mm-hmm. with how she left the show and like nobody seemed to want to take a side, which I thought was kind of interesting about that because it kind of gives you some insight into that maybe people blame her a little more than it was a studio decision or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I kind of like uh, Michael Dorn's comment on the fact though, only the people, you know, that were involved yes, basically but, the but people that, that were in the room are the only you people say who that know. when you kind of think oh well i can i can kind of see both sides you know as opposed yeah. to well yeah the there's there there were over. good people on both sides of the exactly <laughs> yeah listen or, i actually really appreciated when they pulled out like news clips and stuff and they were like look how relevant this show still is yeah i thought that was cool too to today yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. More so now than ever, I think. Well, no, yeah. I mean, you know, when, when, uh, and I hate calling characters, you know, actors by their characters, but when, when, uh, Sirak, well, when Jake was, um, talking about, you know, hey, we're, we're doing these episodes in, you know, 1990s when Rodney King's getting beat, and then it's, you know, it's, it's these years later and people are still getting beat. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, how much has changed? Right. They're yeah, saying he was that like, Star oh, that shit's still going to happen 400 years from now. Because well, we've been saying, you know, through this whole thing, how how predictive, you know, DS9 was, you know, between the sanctuaries, between, you know, the racial stuff, the terrorism stuff, like, you know, when we have, you know, the fear of the changelings on every corner kind of thing and how we That's are. That's the with- thing, like, it's not predictive. It's just, uh, 
it was saying what was going on already, but we just mm-hmm. weren't aware. Or not we, but you know, most people weren't aware. Yeah. Of, yeah all these things as real life things that happen right everywhere in the world you know it's kind of like fight the power from public enemy came out in 1989 right they did a remix this year for 2020 and it's the same song like they're still talking about the same things they talked about in 1989 they've been 2020 it's just in that time span nothing has changed play of flave in that uh, remix He's in the video, but I don't know if he does much. I it's thought a, they kicked him. I thought Chuck D kicked him out of the band. I think they had kind of reconciled. Oh, okay. But like they've had a tumultuous relationship, the two of them, for a very long time anyway. But like when I first heard not to talk, but when I first heard Fight the Power 2020, I was like, this is fucking terrible because Chuck D and now Nas and all these other dudes are rapping about the same shit that happened in 1989 and it's still fucking sad and terrible that nothing has changed. It's been 20 some odd years, but everything's the yeah. fucking same. That's I, yeah. It's a good song. Dennis, well, I, are you looking it up now? I, it's, I am looking it up. It's, it's Nas, it's black thought. Um, it's a couple other people that I don't recognize just from, cause I don't know a lot of modern hip hop, but it's a good ass song. See, I went toward the Will Smith quote though. And I had to look it up, so I got it right when he said that uh, racism is not getting worse; it's getting filmed. Yeah, and that's is- the that's the difference between now and then. We didn't have cell phone cameras in 1989. We mm-hmm. didn't have cell phone cameras in 1995. I mean, like that's why Rodney King was an actual thing because somebody caught it on film. You know, how many other times was Actually, that happening? Actually, videotape, like they broke out their camera. Yes. Everybody was like, I can't yeah. believe that happened once. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, remember the one time that- All the other times they were talking about, was, they were lying. But that one time we saw it. Yeah, yeah. That's outrageous. So I don't know, man. It's just, I just think it's society is not changing and that's sad and frustrating. It's not that Deep Space Nine was predicting the future. It's just the past is the future and the present and it's all the same shit. Cops still don't go to jail for beating and killing. Time is a flat flat circle. Whoa, time is a flat circle. That's deep, son. And, you know, fuck the police. (laughs) If if you ask Alexa to play, if you ask Alexa to play that song, it says F the police by NWA, which I found out yet the other day because I was listening to it. I was doing, she says the N word. No, no, she does for that. No, she, no, she says NWA, Dennis. Come on. (laughs) That would be really weird. Hey, Google. Play fuck the police. See? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing Alexa does. I told I Google that if... my name is Yura Cunt, and it won't say that either. <laughs> but it says Yura Beep. <laughs> makes, makes my day. What about Bitch by Paula Cole? Hey, that Google. Play Bitch by Paula Cole. Why? Isn't that who sings it? Paula Cole? No, it's not Paula Cole. It's oh, Meredith else. Brooks. Meredith Brooks, yeah. Hey, Google, stop. What if you say a song with the N-word in it? Will it say that? Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Strictly for my N words by yeah. Tupac. <laughs> That's well done, Ben. You Patreons get to enjoy that. So. Nope. Uh, one other thing that I really enjoyed was when the, uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody called out the cnn the 90s show 
yeah. when the night he was, was was going on about that was how, Ira. Ira was Bear, it? He was okay. pissed. Yeah, because he was. I mean, I think he had the right to be. Like, yeah. I mean, they can't cover everything on those stupid shows, but they were like going on about how you know racially diverse all these other shows were and he's like what the fuck about us <laughs> well the, you know the wire i mean we have to no he's talking about how rare it is street, yeah oh, homicide, right. yeah where you know they had they had entire scenes they had that were only black actors but i gotta tell you i mean in at that time being on one of the big three networks was different than being like on fox or yeah ESPN or whatever yeah. so because i mean it was still a syndicated show yeah you know mm-hmm. but here's the thing tng when it came out and at its prime, this was scaring the networks. And part of the reason why I guess there was a UPN in the future, because TNG was pulling better ratings than network shows of the time. Like local stations would put it up against, like the independent stations would put it up against network shows and win the slot. Mm. And, and that was insane. So, you know, DS9, not so much, but that's because they weren't episodic. They, you know, did this wild serial bullshit. But I uh, won't know what happened last week. It comes on at 4 a.m. and I don't see it every week. But it is such like a, a modern. We had VCRs. They could have recorded. But it is such a thing that modern audiences don't understand. Like when my kids yeah. watch something on Hulu with commercials because mm-hmm. I'm cheap and I'm not paying for it without ads. They're like, what is this bullshit? And it's like, these are commercials. This is what television used to be like. Don't they use YouTube? They should, they should be familiar. Not, they don't use YouTube yeah. as much as they as they used to but like when they're watching a show on hulu they're outraged at their commercials so it's like the idea of not Tell them to, you'll take it out of their allowance yeah but the idea of like appointment television to yeah. a modern audience is so fucking foreign well don't think about i mean and again not to come away from ds9 with tng but best of both worlds i've talked about this in the past that was the first time there was a season cliffhanger yeah for for any star trek franchise and i fell off the edge of the couch it was just it was that big it was like i have to wait three fucking months to find out what happened like something happened and you missed the episode it's gone forever ever yeah like i was lucky because star trek had like a weird rotation in my hometown so i could watch every episode five times because i'm sure you did I, and I watched every fucking one of them. But the third viewing required the tape recorder. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, sometimes I know, I think in the local market that I grew up in, which was Virginia Beach, I think they showed last week's episode maybe it's another time. They showed it like twice. Mm-hmm. Like They had like the premiere time, which mm-hmm. was like Saturdays at 6 p.m. And then they showed right. it later on in the week another time. But I mean, you really yeah. had to be on it. You could miss... Yeah best of both worlds like what happened at the the end of the second one and the thing with tng is they would never reference it ever again so you would would never know what happened picard's back what what the i thought he got captured by the oh oh no that was last season yeah Yeah, that's gone that's over now like we don't we don't speak about that he got better he got better (laughs) or the the q episode comes on you're like why does picard hate the borg so much (laughs) i don't get it like, oh. no, even better you're watching the you're at the movies you're watching uh, first contact going the fuck is this <laughs> just because you happen to have missed every borg episode in the series 
What's a barg? <laughs> I, I had a weird work schedule. So, but overall, man, like, I think the documentary was well done. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I love the fact that Andrew Robinson was just straight up like, yeah, he was gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he said, what was it? You know, he's like, they, that was the first, like, the first meeting. That was him. Yeah. Try, when they first met, he was trying to sleep with him. And I love the fact that Ira Bear just kind of comes out and is like, yeah, we dropped the ball with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool admission. Like, yeah. but, I, but I guess in, well, I mean, you could argue, could, could they have gotten away with it? Did the, would the network have even cared? They didn't but really. How much it. of that is retrospective? <clears throat> yeah, that's you know? true too. I'm, at yeah. the time where they like, oh, we really, we really need to make Garrett gay. But no, no, we're too scared. Like, I'm thinking it's probably retrospect. They're looking back and saying, you know what? We kind of did write him as a gay guy. Like we should have just went all in on it. But in a way they kind of, I think by not making him full on, homosexual they kind of they kind of made it weird and like predatory does that make sense like at some point garrick seems kind of oddly like closeted and like makes the gay thing almost more negative yeah right like yeah that it needs to be you're a gay so i mean i think if (laughs) if like when ira was saying if if he had if they were brave and made the brave choice they would have had him come out to to uh, julian after the addiction episode like sometime yeah. after that in the second season he would have come out oh, and then they would like, have explored dude, that i beat that addiction but now i'm addicted to your cock yeah. <laughs> so and then it then it's not as predatory and then it's not as uh i don't know i just there, there's so you know there's a couple of youtube channels that kind of do things with you know the whole coded gay thing where you know it's like okay if you watch this series you watch this character the series he he's obviously the gay character but because it's 1967 you can't say that what's the term there's a term for that and i just i just googled it because i read it somewhere and they were talking about when like two people of the same sex have a clearly homosexual relationship but they never mention it on in media because they don't want to frighten um viewers away there's a term for it I can't remember. It's going to fucking bug me now. don't know that one. I've seen arguments that um, one of the reasons why people think that Odo and Kira didn't work is because he's basically asexual. And, like, they forced him into this. Like, the writers forced him into this relationship because, like, all the other people on the, the space station are like, oh, well, you're male. She's female. Clearly, you have to have a relationship here. But he's... He's he's a shapeshifter. Like he's he non-binary. Really have, yeah, he doesn't really have the same emotions and the same connection, and that's why it kind of like fell flat sometimes. Um, it would have been like, great if he just started hooking up with all different kinds of people, like men, <laughs> women, different species. Well, and like we know he can he can shapeshift into a female form because shapeshift. He did that with uh, with what is it? The founder lady when yeah. he took her form. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's that's an opportunity that was missed. Yeah. But here's the thing: we couldn't get gay rights straight in the yeah. 90s. Straight in the nineties, you want us to even remotely address trans? No. You know, they brought up the 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 what is it? The um, Ferengi episode where you know uh, Quark has to uh, impersonate yeah. a woman. That was not good. 
And I'm like, really? They, they were looking back on it fondly. I was like, oh, I don't think that's a good episode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's really one you want to pull out of the closet. Google secret gaze. <laughs> <laughs> or do. Or, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, Hold on, let me log into my work computer. I'm uh, trying to think of the term. There was a term that they used, and it's going to fucking piss me off. Because my wife and I were talking about it, and they used that TNT show with what's-her-name from Law & Order as an example. Sully and Isles? Yeah. Um, fuck, it's going to bug me. Let's see, secret. So the, I days. guess that, that would also be like Xena, except they made them full on, like have a full on relationship. I don't relationship think they ever point. actually admitted it, right? Unless it they was... did. They ha- it was like some weird, because I caught it in syndication, some weird episode where they like, she, the, her friend, I don't remember what her name was, but she died. And then she came back and then they made out. Queer baiting. Like, that's the term. It's queer baiting. Oh my God. Yeah. It's that's so the, much worse term than I thought it was. Yeah. That's be. the term they use. Queer baiting. Wow. Oh, so I, I just found a, a, an article about queer baiting versus queer coding. Yeah. Queer baiting is a marketing technique for fiction and entertainment in which creators hint at but then do not actually depict same-sex romance or other LB. They're teasing us with yeah. the queerness? Yeah. Sherlock. Uh, Sherlock, uh, Sherlock is a big example of that. Yeah. They always bring up it's queer baiting. Now that I found the term, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you Google it, the image you see is better better mchumperdink or whatever his name is. So it's, like, it's basically yep. like they're saying it's coming across as like exploitation rather to than some extent like representation yeah. than actual representation i it, could see it's that. getting you that whole titillating part of it without the like acknowledging it's a thing but see i don't think that that was the case for um for what's his name i think um, it is for julian not. and um, yeah, for julian and o'brien and yeah. o'brien it's clearly queer baiting which i think is funny that they yeah. didn't bring that up they only referred to their seven-year friendship yeah come on baby let's talk about that <laughs> I think that that's a good ten minutes of this there documentary was definitely that something. should have happened. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the term. Stealing stemble in my pants. Now I'm really happy that I figured it out. But yeah, but it was interesting, man. Like I thought the it was kind of like a mo. If you've ever seen like uh, a motion comics, the 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 cartoon yeah. they did, the animation was like a motion comic. I thought it was really neat. Yep. I did really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the fact that. Um, so here comes Ben. Um, <laughs> like oh, the Kool Aid Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. That was my turn. <laughs> so when they showed future Esri, she was wearing a futuristic uniform, much like the one that Dr. Crusher wore when she was a captain of the USS Pasteur when it was 25 years in the future which would make sense continuity wise that that would be the uniform that, you know, they would mm-hmm. refer to in 25 years in the future, but everybody else wore variations of seventh season uniforms. Yeah. But not everybody else was a captain, baby. She got the captain uniform. She's in a special club. You said it yourself, player. Yeah. But the uniforms were not consistent. Okay. They should have all looked like hers. Were you guys cool with the idea of Julian being a member of section 31 at this point? Uh, yeah. Not a member the head he's in charge i think i was i mean I, I will honestly say like there's a lot of things in that episode that they put together that i was like this just doesn't seem like the same show anymore but i have a lot of faith 
based on seven seasons of their material that they would pull it out in a se- over the course of a season and make it all make sense and make me happy with it. I mean, yeah, that was something that they hashed together in like, what do they say, a day or something? Yeah. yeah. Although I got a feeling they were thinking about it a lot longer than that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't you always think about that? Especially, yeah. you know. Like, I, I don't re- believe him saying, oh, you know, I, I decided when I pulled up that Nog would be the one to die. I was like, no, he no, Aaron, I sent Aaron a text and he didn't respond. I sent out a group text to all the actors and said, Five years ago, I, I said, tried to get a hold of him. I said, good morning, everyone. And you know who's the last one to respond? Aaron. Yeah. He's dead to me. Dead to me. And he just wrote K, period. <laughs> and, it's, and I mean, I don't mean, it's not like he's doing Even really anything else responding. anyway. So what else does he have to do? He kind of did a little outlander for a bit. I mean, this is kind of his biggest thing. Yeah. You know, and well, I guess he did Dark Angel, and I don't even know what Bob Patterson is. I don't know if that's Joe. Oh, that's terrible show with Jason Alexander. Oh God! And then the Twilight Zone, two thousand two. There was a lot of Twilight Zone remakes, huh? Two thousand two. Oh, he was in the that was with Forrest Whitaker, Jack, on UPN, and then the forty four hundred. Okay, all right. So he did that for a little while, and Doctor Vegas. What the fuck is that? Starring Rob Lowe. <laughs> that sounds awful. So yeah, so he didn't do shit really. Sometimes you got to take a job to keep the lights on. Yeah, yeah. and I feel you. I love the, the Patrick Stewart story. Patrick Stewart wanted a uh, window replaced at his house in London because it was raining and it leaked, and it was going to take like X thousand dollars. And his agent called him with this real shitty movie and said, "Hey, it's going to be exactly X thousand dollars to do this one role." And he's like sign me up <laughs> and it's how you because everybody asked him it's like why were you in this absolutely shitty movie in this shitty part i mean because that why f- he was in uh that convention that we went to in Jer- I probably mean, he needed another uh i mean i'm sure he got paid i mean there was a lot of people in that fucking line and we paid 150 well, didn't you guys piece. tell me he had a, a clicker yes no no he didn't have a clicker he had a piece of paper like mm-hmm. a little notepad and a pencil and he just he was pleasant as could be, but everyone, Dennis and I were like, maybe he'll talk to us. <laughs> I've got a picture from that um, convention, um, not of me, but of a uh, young man who apparently shaved his head and whited out the sides <laughs> and wore it. Awesome. And so he's staying there in full on Captain Picard cosplay next to Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart, like if you see those pictures, and he sits the exact. It's like he doesn't he basically care. Basically, locks in his position. Yeah, dude. When I did my photo with um, Data and uh, Riker, I put my leg up on an imaginary thing, and like this guy's out of his fucking mind. But like, I thought it was awesome. I was like, "Come on, man!" And they're like, oh, "I don't get it." Like, whatever, dude. It's like the whole fucking internet makes fun of you, Jonathan. Yeah. You're not a hot chick. That's why. yeah. It's true. If I would have been like, I'm we double teaming you. <laughs> Percocet, we want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, uh, the, um, like right in the middle of the uh, documentary and at the very end were like the points where they really got me, I thought. Like when they were talking about, um, you know, they, they kind of talked about the visitors some, and they were talking about some other stuff with Avery Brooks mm-hmm. and that, that whole part, I was like, it's really hard to watch. 
I would have liked more Avery Brooks in that. But yeah, when they were talking about when he was doing the the sci-fi writer and he was, they were saying like he was just lost in the part when he's screaming yeah. on the floor. Like they didn't know when to cut it. I was like, that's really emotional. It was really good. Yeah. And then at the very end, like, uh, like all the people who passed away and stuff, it's like, oh, you know, we, we already know there's at least two more people to add to that list. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I, I really, out of all the Star Trek people I've met, I, I think it was one of the coolest was meeting uh, Renee. Renee, was, well, he got drew you a bucket. He, well, yeah, he drew Jenny a bucket and it was, he's just a really swell guy. Yeah. It, I had a moment, cool. like whenever he would come up on screen, um, particularly like there was one part that, you know, no spoilers, but um like yesterday about yesterday was the like one year anniversary of when he passed away because oh, i yeah. just saw the picture of it like in my memories or whatever yep. and i like reshared it and i was like oh man the timing on this is <laughs> it hit it hit right here yeah like i think i got more emotional watching this than the last episode yeah, yeah. and that was a lot yeah I was like full on like sobbing at some point. I was like, I can't, okay, I'm just done. <laughs> well, then there was like, you know, cause he even mentioned like in on my obituary, they're going to say like, yeah. I, I won't be the guy from Benson anymore. Like I'll be, yeah. and I was like, damn dude, you, that's crazy. Cause he was sick. Why didn't he have cancer or something? So like, or did he just die? I think he had cancer. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so, I mean, he even kind of saw his own more, I guess he even kind of knew of his own mortality and he died kind of, you know, a couple years later. So it was like later that same year, I think. Yeah. Uh, when the movie well, he, came out anyway. Okay. I thought it came out in 2018. Um, they done it was the, copyright 2019 when the movie oh, came really? out. Yeah. So it was early, they, but they've been filming this like since 13 yeah. or 15 so you know it took a while so what was it like uh was it uh Ducat when they interviewed him? like they have the interview mm. with him when he's talking one-on-one -on -one, and then he goes four years earlier and it has where they're sitting on the couch together and he's still yeah. bitching about and then he, thinks, then he said some creepy stuff about how he wanted to hump Narice, and i was like whoa you're yeah. a real creep and that's when i started like paying attention to because they had a lot of group settings where they were yeah. talking to a bunch of people. And I was like, who wasn't invited here? <laughs> huh. Well, you think he's not there. I the guess couch... that was a messy divorce. <laughs> well, the couch scene, they had like the primary <laughs> cast was one set of interviews. And then the secondary dudes, the yeah. bigger secondary dudes. So Ducat, Damar, um, what was it? Jeffrey uh, Combs. Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. I love when they're going through all the, the B characters. It was like, yeah. you know, so-and-so and Jeffrey Combs and Jeffrey Combs and <laughs> Jeffrey Combs. But um, no, so yeah, they, I think they brought him in like in, in groups or whatever, but I did, I, you know, I didn't notice the thing about uh, Siddig until it's like, oh yeah. I mean, some of that's probably availability. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. he was probably off filming, you know, Game of Thrones or something at the time. He's growing his beard. Yeah. yeah. Although they did mention it at the end uh, during the credits, you know, he was like, we didn't mention you and him being married or anything like that. Yeah. You know, and she didn't seem, you know, she was obviously. They have a kid together. How, movie. how, how much of an asshole can you be? Mm. Really? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you, I mean, I'm just hoping. I'm hoping. I don't, I, I don't, I have no facts about 
his and her relationship, but I mean, some dudes are fucking assholes. I mean, I'd be nice to her because she's fucking fine. Fine as hell. Kill you. But um, um, he died of he died of lung cancer, messiatic lung cancer at seventy nine. So there was a good chance he probably had it when this was going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. So when he was saying that, he even got a little choked up, and I got a little. From the makeup they made him wear. So. Yeah. I like the story that Ira, the last day of filming, <laughs> when, when, when Renee rips off his mask. Which was more poignant it. now that he did. Well, yeah, but the fact that Ira still has that fucking mask in his library or whatever at home. Yeah. You just well, come home and, maybe. like, up oh, there's Renee's face. Yeah, but again, more poignant now that he did. Yeah. The value on that collectible just went through the roof i don't know man i'm i'm really we started this podcast as a way to review tng Mm -hmm. i'm so happy that because i had never seen deep space nine i remember the first episode i watched of deep space nine i was actually in chicago at that comic convention i bought it on dvd and i was watching it on my computer and i watched the first episode and i was like wow this isn't great Like, because, and I remember not liking the first episode because of all the, the spirituality and the time is, is, the time is a circle. And I was like, wow, this is a really poor introduction to this show. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were able to make it through the entire run of the series. And I'm, I'm happy that we were able to do it. I was happy we were able to do it together because for me, this is, I can't see Star Trek getting any better than this. I really, I've enjoyed Discovery, um, all that other stuff, but this is the high watermark for me. And I'm, the rest of it's going to be like, oh yeah, that's cool. But remember that Deep Space Nine episode? That was awesome. I mean, this is a really good episode of XYZ, but I mean, even a bad episode of DS9 would have been better than this. Like, yeah. I mean, how many times have we compared DS9 episodes to TNG episodes? We're just like, yeah, but by this point, TNG gave up. Right. <laughs> or know? even Deep Space Nine against itself. Like, how many times did you say, like, yeah, this is really good, but I know there's even better stuff coming down the line. That was I the hardest. I can't give this a nine because I know yeah. the Dominion Wars or whatever, you know? Or this yeah. felt like a TNG episode. Oh, my God. So to, to kind of tie in, <laughs> I fully support every effort out there to do an HD release of Deep Space Nine. And if you want to see the potential. Wow, it looked great, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Watch this documentary and watch the scenes with sacri- from Sacrifice of Angels. It's free on Netflix. I mean, it's free on uh, YouTube. You just got to sit through commercials, and then you yeah. can use that time to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And it, it is just holy crap. The first time I watched this, I watched it on my laptop. And I was like, wow, that looked really good. This time I watched it on, you know, the HDR and, you know, the main screen on the bridge. And it was just like, holy shit, this looks amazing. I'm afraid, though, that it's going to be really tough because of the makeup. Because just watching it in, you know, on my TV now at huge. Even on SD. Some it's, of the makeup's yeah, yeah, yeah. a little rough. Yeah. <clears throat> the eye stuff always gets the well, card. You never know because like uh, when they did TOS and they like revamped that, mm-hmm. they kind of like did some CGI and shit. They didn't Yeah, they just... cleaned it up. Yeah. So yeah. that's there's gonna have to be a lot of makeup work. That was one I thing. To... Go ahead. That was one thing they talked about. Um, how every person had their dedicated makeup person when that makeup person wasn't there. Yeah, that was some things got kind of fucked up. So maybe that's what we saw in those episodes. Yeah, maybe. Like the the uh the substitute makeup artist. Just like yeah. oh, I don't know. 
fucking put some spots on. I like how uh, one of the things they did was use Garrick or Andy Robinson at the beginning of before all this started when he yeah. walks out of the shadows and just basically says, hey, people's uh, memories and the stories we tell, you know, and he just basically gave a disclaimer that, you know, we, we remember things differently and that's that's part of it, you know. But he did it with Garrick voice and then you're like, is he lying? What, what, what scandal is this guy into? Even the lies are true, Even, especially yeah. the lies. He would be great as like the uh, the host of like an anthology show or something like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like he would be better than Jordan Peele doing the Twilight Zone. Yeah, but <laughs> nobody would watch it. They'd be like, who's this fucking dumb old white man? Hey, isn't that the guy? Like, who is this dumb old white man? He's awesome. <laughs> no, it'd be like, hey, isn't this the guy from Dirty Harry? <laughs> Holy shit. That's what they that's what we all remember him for and i really enjoyed watching them break down the episode because you hear that term like they they try to break the episode it was really fun to try to watch them do that to see a room of writers of that caliber yeah and us having spent you know seven seasons seeing their work yeah and And that doesn't even and some of those guys you know kind of got their start on tng so we've seen all kinds of their work. I mean, to really just kind of sit down and watch them kind of work creatively and just kind of go on like, I really like that character. Let's do this to see how much that comes into it. It's pretty interesting. Well, didn't, I mean, you know, talking about that, Ronald D. Moore, isn't that how he got us? Like he was one of those off the street guys for TNG. Yeah, he. I think he he submitted because they even mentioned that they had a submission policy where like you could submit scripts that could maybe be made into television that's fucking unheard of like you can't even pitch unsolicited like if you send a pitch to a writer who works for like marvel or dc or something Mm -hmm. they can't even open it like they just have to throw it away because legal yeah just legal stuff Mm -hmm. they could just send ideas yeah that's crazy the whole scripts is that how vince gilligan got into uh x-files also like he just sent them some scripts yep because he was a big fan and uh, he wrote them a couple of spec script scripts, and then that's they crazy. brought him in. And then that's where he made his connection to uh, Walter White on the episode where you have to drive 55 miles an hour west or your head will explode. He wrote that episode, and uh, uh, Brian Cranston was the... Uh, oh. Did all of you see that one when it first came out? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that one. It was no. so surreal like watching it because you're like what is happening here is this is this the news or what what's going on has the show started because it starts with the like a helicopter following this car like mm-hmm. doing a news report and you're like what's going on here oh i want to yeah. go back and watch that that sounds amazing i'm surprised that you haven't watched the brian cranston episode of at least i haven't been like i don't know it's been a while since i've seen x files on like a steady source and i tried to watch every episode from the beginning and let me tell you like season yeah. one rough not well here's the thing <laughs> <laughs> i need a curated list of yes. files because there's a lot of episodes and i don't want i wanted to, to watch all the like the storyline ones because i missed out on so many of those like yeah. like they were saying with ds9 if you miss one you're out Yep. And I missed so many X Files that. Wait, who's this guy with that, the cigarettes? Yeah, well, I mean, he was like episode one. Yeah. Um. So like, I missed so many of those that like those became my most hated episodes of, of X Files. I wanted the standalone ones because, 
I knew what the fuck was going on. I started from the beginning. I see what's happening. You're the reason Star Trek Deep Space Nine was hated, Jenny Zell. Look, I can't help it if, like, you know, my mom changed the channel on the VCR and I didn't get my recording done. Yeah. I thought it had to be set on channel four. No, channel three. Channel Channel three. three. Exactly. No, but the bad reception that day. Like, we had an actual, like, antenna on the the freaking roof of the house. Somebody forgot to put the aluminum foil on the end of the uh, antenna. Shit, we had a tower, like, you. Oh. Yeah, it was one of those. Oh, wow. Those are still cool, man. There's some of those in my neighborhood. Cause- I still remember um, it was the year I graduated high school, but we got the, uh, we'd had a real bad storm or whatever, and it broke the antenna, so we had to get a new antenna. And my entire childhood, the antenna was outside the living room window in the back. And so you would go and you take the antenna and you would look through and you would turn. Was it like the scene from Back to the Future where you're like hanging from the... Well, it's it's on the roof, and you could still like the pole was just into the ground. It wasn't like cemented into the ground, mm-hmm. but it was like strapped to the house, but loosely enough that you could still turn it. So we would turn it so we could see, you know, get better reception from Birmingham or Huntsville or Chattanooga. Interesting. Well, then when the storm came through and it got blown away, it was like, oh, let's buy a new antenna. And it's like, oh, why buying an antenna? We got a signal booster. Oh, I have one on my antenna. They're great. And now we could watch like Huntsville, Birmingham and Chattanooga. And then we had that little Turner and we marked on it, like Birmingham's this way, Chattanooga's this, and you would just turn the dial and you'd wait a few minutes and then it would be turned. It's like, I can watch Star Trek five times a week now. And he did. And you did. And it did. And here we are. And um, I, tr- I, I think after we record, I want to talk about what we want to do mm-hmm. for the next couple weeks. Um, like, do we want to do like a watch along me? Like, I don't know what to do because we're not going to do Voyager. We're not just going to jump right in. We've got like two or three weeks until January. So like, how do you want to approach the next couple weeks of Dork Trek? Well, we can do that after the show, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do that. Well, no, no. But before we go, before we go, I want to. Okay. So, the ending. I you got to stay until the absolute end. But the credits with Ira and Nana. Uh, I didn't see that. I turned it off. Oh my god! You. It was. It was kind of worth it. Okay. Yeah, you stay through all that. Well, but there was singing, well, and I was like, I don't want to watch any more singing. And it was I after stayed the for the singing. Okay, but as they're rolling through, at some point they get to where the Indiegogo donors uh-huh. start. Sh- you know, you're going to get your name in the credits. And at the scene where he says to her, she's talking about the stuff they cut out, and he says, "They're not even listening to you anymore. They're looking for their names over in the credit." If you pause it when he says that, the block. Your name is there. They're the Jays. Uh huh. And C. Brian Jones and Matthew Fisher Uh, are uh, from our competition down the street at Check FM. They've clearly won. We are the Dominion in that war. I will say once once he said that, and I noticed that it was going through when they got to the M's. I was looking, and I I didn't see a McCormick in there. Yeah, you you got to look in the T's because that was back when I was going by my uh, screen name for Tavias. Or, or did you give? Did you donate? No. no. Okay. Here's the thing: I wasn't even aware of. <laughs> I wasn't. Why this bitch? <laughs> no, it's Tavias Wispane. No, um, it's in the W's. 
No, uh, dead. I was not I, even aware yeah, of. You need to get back to that, by the way. I miss it. What's that? D and D. I was going to mention that earlier, oh. Ben. You go through these phases because you mentioned something earlier where you were like, "Oh, about the right stuff." Yeah. And you were like, "I watched a movie, and then I watched a series, and then I listened to a book, and then I did this, and then I did that." You're very much. You have a very much an obsessive personality that I really. I've actually. To. What happened to Cold Shack? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you want to know? I've been in talks with um, the number one Cold Shack fan, so we trade emails occasionally. But, I, um, I really enjoy how you just dive headfirst into things. It makes me, I've, makes me really happy. I've been doing a lot of TikTok therapy. And um, that's actually something that uh, I have to work on um, with. You Your know, obsessive nature? Yeah, with, with um, it's just one of the, the, the channels I listen to or one of the people I follow, I you know how they describe. Yeah, I don't know what they do on TikTok. Thing. I'm not sure. But uh, one of them okay. is an, ADH, an ADHD counselor. And when she was going through some of the symptoms. She's just showing you her titties. She's like, what up? <laughs> and I didn't, I just like, oh, wait, something's happening over here. Oh, shit. That no, but no, it was getting pretty accurate. But then I started following, you know, because as you listen to more TikToks, the algorithm adjusts, and so basically, it put me into therapy TikTok. That sounds and awful. It's actually, it was like, oh shit, that's that's something I do. And so one of the things were when they were describing stuff, and it was yeah, you become completely and utterly obsessed with something for six months. And then you lose all interest and move to the next thing. Why don't you go see you know, real that, that stuff is like a horoscope, Ben. Because they're going to say enough stuff that's just vague and just specific enough that it's going to feel ADD. like it applies to you. ADD is such a Capricorn thing. I'm just, well, first of all, it's ADHD. We're not talking about advanced Dungeons and Dragons there. So, you know, get with the program. Burn. Why don't you go <laughs> see a real? It used to be ADD back in the you day. You know what? Yeah. I have GFY. <laughs> God forgives you. Um, why don't we um, figure out what we want to do yep. and then go from there? But yeah, maybe see a real doctor to diagnose your mental issues. I'm going I'm, I'm, to TikTok. I'm starting my own TikTok. But I guess that's the state of the American healthcare system. I was diagnosed on TikTok. I believe either Indiegogo or GoFundMe is the top insurer in yes. the United States right now. I know. Or there, yeah, I know. It's awful. That's the world we live in. But anyway, Deep Space Nine. I'm going to miss Deep Space Nine a lot. Yeah, I already miss it. I'm, I may actually just start over and watch it all again. But don't, I mean, you still got to watch Voyager. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to do that. I still Is the name official? Discovery. What, Voyager? <laughs> George Voyager. Because <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I really because I almost wanted to push for Voyeurs because we're, wa- you know, we're Voyeurs watching Voyager. Voyeur makes it sound sexy, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's French or something. So I was really, when I, that came across my inbox today, I just, I, I giggled for like five minutes. It was really which, awesome. Who, which one of you thought of that? Jenny, right? No, that was Dennis. That was Dennis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the awesome. Photoshop is really good on that. So I assumed it was Jenny. <laughs> I know. Wow, Dennis, you're really getting good. You know, uh, as my broadcasting skills have gone down, my Photoshop skills have gone up. <laughs> so. Nay, nay. I'm ratcheting both down as much as possible. <laughs> well, that's alcoholism. 
Yes. <laughs> You're on that Nick Cage leaving Las Vegas spiral. <laughs> I think I'm on the Nick Nolte plan also. <laughs> Are you going to star in the next Hulk movie? I hope so. That would be awesome. Guys, thank you so much for taking this Deep Space Nine journey with us. Even though, ironically, we didn't go anywhere. We just kind of stayed on a space station. Much to the chagrin of much many Star Trek fans. It's a great fucking show. Do yourself a favor and watch it. And I guess coming in 2021, that's when we're going to start Voyager, which is a good place to start, I think. Yeah. A nice, clean start. So, new year, new show. Um, I don't really know what else to say about Deep Space Nine, but it's just the best, right? Like, we can all agree. Yep. Until yep. Strange New Worlds comes out, this is my favorite Star Trek show. Yeah, they brought up good episodes I forgot about. I was like, oh, yeah. I yeah, gotta go watch episode. that. Yeah. Everybody go watch the documentary after you watch the series. It was really good. Yeah, it's free. Watch the documentary. It's free. Yeah. Yep. Or pay for it like I did. Sucker. I, I want they keep talking about the bonus uh footage, so I'm wondering if that comes with the DVD. So I'm gonna have to try to find a Blu-ray copy and see if that's just footage. Ira dying his beard. I don't get the blue beard thing. I don't get it. I don't, I just don't. I don't. He, he's a writer, they do crazy shit. I'm I mean, a writer. Not to that level. I, I'm not a writer, Ben. Yeah, you're a writer too, Ben. Yeah, look what I did with my hair this summer. Yeah, that's because you were you're in quarantine. Yeah, it's an extenuating circumstance yeah. right there. Yeah, okay. Like, do you think I'm going to look like this for the rest of my life with this fucking hair? No. As soon as there's a vaccine, I'm getting my hair cut. Yeah, but your hair looks awesome. It, it's pretty fun. So Get the lion thank, mane going. And thank you. It's really, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I look at that and I say, that, that's a professional writer right there. No, this is just some fucking hack from way back. Trying to get people to read his pitches. That's all. I'm I keep just mailing like, them to Marvel. I'm just like you, Ben. I'm just like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with something. We're going to have something. We'll record something. I'm not sure what it is, um, but we'll do that. And um, Voyager's coming up. Voyager. Who is that peeking through my window? It's Doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like Dork Trek is watching me. I don't understand. <laughs>